I've been coming up with Christmas messages for almost 40 years. That means that every year you have to try to find something fresh in a story that you've gone over many times. It does happen, but it's, it's one of those amazing things too, but it's also one of those moments for me where it's almost easier to just go searching for other things than to go back to something that I've been through so many times. Um, this year, I uh, got caught up with, uh, in particular, the inception of Christ. But I want to walk through some things that just express what God did in pulling everything together. You know, if you go online, you, you type in how far from Rome to Jerusalem, you get this 1,200 nautical miles, and then uh, 1,400 if you're going on land. And, and I'm looking at it and going, God took a Roman emperor who had no awareness specifically of Bethlehem, I'm sure, but made a decree that would have taken months and months to implement. Because when he, when he wants a census, a, a tax, it's not quite like our government where, you know, in January there's going to be a list of rules come out, and by April we're expected to pay it. But if, if he makes this decree, the, the message may be months in getting out to the people alone. And then more months to respond and so, you know, the fact that a political ruler who is ruling, making a ruling that affects an insignificant country and an insignificant town in that country and an insignificant couple that's going to be heading to that town, I mean, even they have to travel 80 miles when she's pregnant. And again, it's not in a car. So, you know, at minimum, you're looking at a week probably. So all of that pulling together, it starts to just kind of go, man, there's something amazing going on here. You know, the fact that Joseph is living in Galilee and has to go up to, in Nazareth of Galilee, has to go up to Bethlehem at a time when Mary's pregnant and ready to give birth and all of this is going to work out, that's kind of astounding to me. Um, you know, he went to, to register the baby to be born. But it gets, it gets even wilder. You know, while they're there, magi from the east come following a star. You're going, I can pick out the Big Dipper. That's it. You know, this is a knowledge that I don't have. An understanding that you can look at the skies and see something that is an implication. Now, I, I get the thinking of that, that a creator would have had design and had it working together. I just don't understand it. You know, I can, I can go to the planetariums and they give kind of an explanation of what might have happened. You know, the big guess. Sounds good to me. I don't know any different. But they, they get to Jerusalem and they're going... Okay, uh, where's this supposed to be? 
You know, we followed the star, we got this far, what's up? Then you have the religious leaders stepping in who have been shepherding or holding some scripture for hundreds of years. And they're going, oh, in our books it says Bethlehem. You know, because there's this prophecy hundreds of years in advance declaring this is where it's going to be. And so they're able to send them to the place. So you're saying creator controls governments, creator controls religious life and history, creator controls creation with the star, and now he's going to get involved with humanity. He's got to convince a couple people that he's actually working in their lives and that this is a good thing. Angel went to Mary and said, You found favor with the Lord. You're going to bear God's child. <laughs> you know, he's going to be great. He's going to rule. He's going to, his kingdom is going to go on forever and ever. She goes, There's a problem with this. I'm a virgin. Um, no big deal, says the angel. Holy Spirit is going to, to impregnate you, basically. Now, that in some ways speaks to me about life at conception. Um, I believe in the virgin birth. I don't necessarily believe in immaculate conception, which would be that Mary was sinless. Uh, again, to me, that, that moves into the realm of things that I don't hold very close. Like, Jesus is the Son of God stated very specifically in Scripture, Right? So that's something you hold right here. You say, I can't, I can't really argue that or have an opinion. This is what I believe. There are other things that are a little further out here where you're going, uh, it doesn't say specifically, but this is what I assume. This goes into that area for me. For me, the Holy Spirit says... I have the power to step into humanity and holy has the power to influence sinful. And so what I see, for me, what I see in the conception of Jesus is that holy overwhelms humanity. Holy has the power to transform human life. And so the beauty of that for me is that if that's how Jesus was conceived, I also have this belief that for my own life, my sinfulness can be wiped away by holy, by a righteous God. And even the hope that I have for eternity of this life being transformed into eternal is, again, connected to that idea that the holy has the power to overwhelm. Um, I'm way off my notes already. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, let's. David, when he was confessing his sin in Psalm 51, says, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So it's one of those verses that I draw on and say, I don't necessarily believe that Mary had to be sinless. I believe that holy was stepping in. Um, Psalm 
139, all my days were ordained for me, even before I was conceived. There's a, there's a, uh, works better when it's up by my face, doesn't it? <laughs> there's an interesting argument that Paul makes in Corinthians when the question was made, well, when people get saved, should a, a saved person stay with an unsaved person, or should they get should they divorce? And, and uh, Paul says, stay together. And he makes this implication that a godly parent has an influence on their children. And I'd like to suggest that even in this, maybe it's one of those inferences from holy God stepping in to humanity and transforming, you know, and, and change, you know, just even in conception, there's a holiness that's taken on because of the presence of God. Um, I'm going to get into John a little bit later, but it says the Word became flesh. You know, that the power of that is just astounding to me. Okay, that was Mary's side. <laughs> I am trying to stick to my notes. It's not working at all. Joseph's side. He discovers that his fiancée is pregnant, and, you know, it says being a righteous man, he has in mind to divorce her quietly. You know, just you know, not make a big hubbub, but just separate. And uh, an angelic, again, God steps in. There's an angelic visitation, and, and the angel says, no, what's conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to worry about this. She wasn't unloyal or disloyal. But he says, name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. And then it goes on to say, this is what took place to fulfill what the Lord has said. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it says from there, he did not consummate the marriage until she had given birth to a son. So, one more little tidbit connected to this. They end up in Bethlehem, the right place at the right time, through events out of their control. And there's no room at the end. And so, again, they are landing in a situation with just the clothes on their backs and not much more. I look at that and I go, it doesn't matter what governments do. God gets his will done. It doesn't matter how I feel influenced about government. God can still do his work in me. It doesn't matter what uh, the religious group is thinking. God gets his work done. It doesn't matter what the politics of the day are. It doesn't matter what uh, creation is doing. God gets his work done. It doesn't matter what's going on you know, outdoors, God can still do His work in our hearts. It doesn't matter if we have money or not. God gets His work done. It doesn't matter if He has to pluck us out of family, move us to a place. But God gets His work done. You know, they, they, they're separated from family. They're separated from their community. They have no power over the Roman government. They have no... no 
influence on the Jewish community, and yet it's all brought together in that moment. And so if God could conceive a, a child in humanity, then spirit give birth to spirit, as we, as we say. You remember when he's talking to Nicodemus, a man must be born again. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And if that happened through the person of Jesus, then I have hope for my life as well. I have hope for each of us. That God's work can be accomplished through the ages as He designed. That He has an intimate awareness of the details of our lives. And even though we step into sinfulness and we walk in sinfulness, there is an opportunity for the presence of God, the Spirit of God, to transform us and put in us that eternal seed that will live on forever. That's what we're about. And that's what we celebrate in, in this story. God coming to earth, stepping into humanity, putting his stamp into a human life. If anyone is in Christ, he is, new, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. It was interesting that uh, Kurt read John 1. I have these in my notes this morning. Because it's, it's bigger than just God stepping in at conception. It's saying that Jesus had a role to play in this before creation. Now, I don't get that. I still believe it. I just have limited understanding. And how did that take place? I don't know. I just, <laughs> if the rest of it works, I'm going, this works too. And so when I look at this and I'm going, you know, the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. What's the declaration? Jesus was there in the beginning. He made, participated in creation, all of it. And then it says in the 14th verse of that same chapter, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So God intervenes one more time and he chooses Mary and says, okay, you're the one. And my spirit is going to overwhelm this situation. Ephesians says, he chose in him before the, the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. If God wasn't overwhelmed by sinful creation, but rather steps in and creates holiness, the sinless Son of God, well, then surely He can step into our lives and develop a new life as well. He can take our sin and remove it. He can cleanse us by His great power. Holiness can overcome sin. Spirit, more powerful than flesh. And so when we step into this season and we're, we're going, it's, it's wondrous that he came. 
But it's also wondrous that he's come to us. And it's wondrous that his spirit can transform our hearts and plant in us a seed that will live forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me, please? I'm the kind of person that has walked through just about every kind of doubt that you can have in regard to the scriptures. And gratefully, I feel like God's given me answers. There are a few questions still on the shelf. They're not quite as important to me now because so many have been answered. But when I walk into this season and I acknowledge once again this is powerful. How did he, how did Caesar Augustus, you know, end up doing this timing-wise? How did Isaiah write that a virgin would conceive? How did the star get put in place so that stargazers would get to the right place? How did a young couple move just 80 miles, but completely out of the realm of what they wanted to do. I mean, he went to the town of David because he was connected in relation to David, and the Jews, in their identification, said, you got to go back to the place of your origin. But David was a thousand years previous. Surely you'd have thought of a different system by then. Guess not. Why did they link to David? I'm not sure. But that's where they landed. God sees our lives as well. Sees the specifics. Sees way beyond the politics and everything else. And he sends his spirit to us. For each one here, Lord, that there be that sense of birth in you by your spirit where holy overcomes sinfulness and plants new life. I pray, God, that your blessing would rest on each one as they participate that way. Amen. More shot at this. I feel like there's a piece that didn't tie together very well. It doesn't matter where you fall politically, whether you have any voice or not. It doesn't matter what your name is in the community. It doesn't matter whether you have any money. It doesn't matter what family you came from. It doesn't matter any detail that you come up that you think might disqualify you. God has intimate awareness of your life and provision for you that you might know his spirit in your life with new birth and, and a new life as a result of what he's done and a result of his influence and wholly overcoming sinfulness. That's powerful because 
we often walk in guilt and shame because of things we've done and we wonder could God, would God yes that's the bottom line, yes he's willing to release us from those things he's made provision for us he's intervened in his creation what more could we ask it's responding to it then I want to pray for God's blessing on you. Wish you the very best during this Christmas season. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy your salvation, birth of the Spirit, born anew in you. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I said you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with your supernatural, I pray. Be exalted and lifted up, our Lord, we ask. Amen. God bless you.